Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. Hi, I'm your host, Daniel Gumby Vreeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC 258, Usman vs. Burns, and an exciting welterweight title clash. But of course, those of you who frequent the show know we are not going to be talking about that fight or any of the fights on the main card because this is the prelim primer where we break down the prelim portion of the card. For those of you who might be new to the show, you might be asking yourself, why just the prelims? Why not break down the exciting fights everybody is really tuning in for? And the answer is really quite simple. The answer is you guys probably know a lot about Usman. You know a lot about Burns. You know a lot about Jimmy Rivera or Macy Barber, Alexa Grasso. But you probably don't know a lot about these guys and gals on the early part of the card. And that's really where there's a lot of money to be won in both daily fantasy sports and if you're gambling straight up. And speaking of daily fantasy sports and gambling, I would be remiss if I did not mention that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by AJ'sMMABetting.com. For gambling breakdowns and analysis that put the other guys to shame, follow AJ because what he does is far more than just shoot you his picks every week for you to tail he gives you an education and insight so that you can make informed decisions, grow your bankroll, and have continued success. Why go to an anonymous tipster who's just throwing out blind ideas when you can go to a proven winner? Plus, AJ is giving you all of his analysis and bets right now for free. So what's there to lose other than your current bad decisions? Follow him now at AJ's MMA Betting on Twitter or at AJ'sMMABetting.com. Now, in order to break down these fights, I, of course, am joined by another savvy co-host joining me today from Cage Side Press, Joe McDonough. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. Absolutely, man. It's always a pleasure to join the uh, the prelim primer. I, I, I love doing this, and, and I look forward to uh, chatting fights. All right. Well, as you guys know, we start chatting fights when I put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Bobby Green versus Jim Miller. So Green had a three-fight winning streak. He recently had that snapped by losing to Tiago Moises back in October. Jim Miller, meanwhile, is 1-2 in his last three. He most recently was beat by Vince Pichel back in August. So the real question here for me is that I feel like Miller is probably going to be at a fairly large speed disadvantage. What does he have to do in order to overcome that? Well, I think, you know, when we talk Bobby Green... You know, I always I always find it super interesting to to bring up the fact that between you know 2014 and I think 2019 I want to say, um, I mean he he won one of seven fights, you know, and then like you said rattled off three in a row. You could argue that his last one was a little controversial. Um, you know, could argue that he's on a four fight win streak. So I mean I I 100% agree that uh, Bobby Green is is. A the faster fighter. I think he's a better striker. I also think where Jim Miller could potentially slow him down is in the clincher wrestling and i think bobby green still stands out in that spot too you know i think i think bobby green in in most spots is you know the dominant fighter in this in this position albeit you know at 34 years old um so i mean i i think the value here you know if you're looking for for a better's value you know as bobby green walks in at i believe a minus three or 300 or maybe minus 350 um betting favorite is maybe by by unanimous decision um him kind of wearing jim miller out and taking it to uh to the judges yeah, I can definitely see that. Here's the one thing I will say that that makes me give a little bit of pause before picking Bobby Green is I 100% agree with you that Bobby Green's wrestling is probably better than Jim Miller's. But here's the other thing I will say. Bobby Green is not offensively going to try to wrestle in this fight. At least I don't think he should, or and I don't think he would. I, I think that this is a fight he's going to want on the feet. And actually, his wrestling defense is a lot worse 
than his wrestling offense. His wrestling offense, very skilled. His wrestling defense, he's actually given up a takedown in all five of his last five fights, which, which is pretty interesting because if he winds up on bottom of Jim Miller, I think that's real bad news for him. I, I think it, even if this winds up in scrambles where Jim Miller can get in on his legs and they wind up you know, rolling around for a little while, that's where Jim Miller thrives. So for me, I definitely agree with you. I think Bobby Green on the feet is dangerous. I think Bobby Green, you know, with his offensive wrestling is dangerous. But man, I, I'm just not 100% sure about this matchup. And we are unfortunately at the part where I got to ask you for a pick. Who do you got in this one? How do you got him? Well, I, I love what you just said. said. You know, that, that is huge that, um, you know, that, that wrestling defense is out of sorts. Um, I'm still going to stick with Bobby Green by unanimous decision. Pardon me wants to take him by TKO, but he hasn't had, uh, you know, in his three-fight winning streak all by unanimous decision. So I'm going to take the value there and say Bobby Green by decision. All right, and I'm going to go with Jim Miller. Part of me is just that I love Jim Miller so much, and part of me is I don't really have a lot of dogs that I like on this card. So I'm going to go Jim Miller. I'm going to say he snatches up a submission in one of those transitions. And that brings us to our second fight, which is Jillian Robertson versus Miranda Maverick. Jillian Robertson, one and two in her last three. She last lost to Talia Santos back in December. Maverick, meanwhile, won her UFC debut by cut stoppage over Leanna Jojua back in October. So it's interesting because Miranda Maverick is a, a really impressive wrestler, and we really didn't get to see it, her do that at all in her last fight. I'm guessing she's probably going to try to lean on that a little bit here against Jillian Robertson, but if she does... Is that the right move? I, I personally, I think that uh, it could be. I think that, you know, if she stays standing, she has she has a, a big advantage as well. Um, grappling, obviously, Jillian Robertson is, you know, a, a master grappler. But Miranda Maverick wrestling, grappling on the ground, she, she is a force to be reckoned with. I mean, when you mentioned Jillian Robertson's name, you know, in, in, in my heart, I'm like, I want Jillian to win. Um, you know, we've seen so much promise out of her. You know, I've talked to Dean Thomas about her, all this stuff. You know, just, you know, it, it's crazy to think she's in, you know, a, essentially a veteran of the sport at only, I believe, 25 years old, maybe 26. I mean, it's wild to think about. And for so long, we've been saying she's so much promise. She just needs to show us that next level. But, you know, when is that going to happen? Um, I just see Miranda Maverick. She, she She is an absolute workhorse. You know, she is whether it's on the feet, whether it's wrestling, grappling, she is just so strong, so athletic. You know, we haven't seen many fighters more strong or athletic than her. Um, and, and what we saw in that, you know, debut fight, you know, the, the doctor stoppage, we didn't even get to see a lot out of, out of Miranda Maverick. We only saw one round worth, and, and even then it still left us, like, speechless. So, you know, uh, this is going to be a tough fight. You know, everything in me wants to say Jillian wins. But, but I really do think Miranda Maverick is just going to be too much. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on that one, too. I think, you know, I, I love the promise of Jillian Robertson. I love her grappling game, but mostly I love her grappling game on top. Uh, I, I just don't see her being able to sub Miranda Maverick off of her back. And if she can't sub her, in my opinion, that really closes the avenues to her paths to victory, right? Like, it, it pretty much is asking you to outpoint Miranda Maverick on the feet and stuff takedowns, and, and I just don't see that happening. So I, I'm going to go Miranda Maverick by decision here. How about you? You know, when you look at Miranda Maverick and Jillian Robertson, it's almost like you're looking at two different weight classes. You know, two people fighting each other uh, at different weight classes. Just, you know, the, the athleticism of Miranda Maverick is crazy. Like I said, if I'm picking with my heart, I'm going Jillian Robertson, finding some way to win. Um, but, you know, picking with my brain here, uh, Miranda Maverick by decision. All right, and that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with round number two. 
Alright guys, let me tell you about my favorite feature of the breakdowns that AJ from AJ's MMA Betting sends you out each week with his picks. He not only sends you out the picks and the lines, but he lets you know the implied probability of all of his picks. That way, when you look at it, you know roughly what the percentage chance is that the lines and the bookies are giving those fighters, and then he tells you where he would line it. The really cool thing about that is that you know that now you're getting value for what you're putting in bets, and that really is the long-term way to win in gambling. Because Believe it or not, betting is not always about the big hit from last week. It's about sustained growth and making that bankroll as big as possible. And that's what AJ is going to help you do when you follow that. AJ's MMABetting.com. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Pollyanna Viana versus Mallory Martin. Viana snapped a three-fight losing streak last time out when she hit an armbar on Emily Whitmire. Martin, meanwhile, lost in her debut to Virna Jandiroba. She bounced back with a quick submission to Hannah Cypher. So uh, my question here is we're looking at Mallory Martin, who, again, we're talking about a really great wrestler coming to, to the UFC. Pollyanna Viana, a good grappler, similar to Jillian Robertson, is going to be on her back. Is she good enough there to sub Mallory Martin, or is there another avenue to victory for her? I'm not sure there is another avenue to victory. You know, um, Vienna's shown us in her debut fight, um, you know, with the UFC back in uh, 2018, you know, with that first round rear naked choke, so much promise. You know, since then, like you said, she lost three in a row and then just came back, essentially winning her job back with that arm bar, um, you know, this past August. Mallory Martin, one-on-one in the UFC, heavy wrestler, um, you know, kind of, like you said, similar. I, I don't think it's, it's as it's, it's as uh, heavy as a Miranda Maverick, who, who, you know, just is so athletic. But it is in a similar case where, you know, you like Vienna on the ground when she's in an offensive grappling position. But, you know, on her back, is she going to be able to withstand that wrestling? I'm not sure. I don't see Vienna uh, standing in this one. I think that it does go to the ground. I will say, I think that, Vienna showed us a lot in fighting for her job. Essentially, you know, she's one and three in her last four um, with that armbar victory. I say she finds a way to find a submission. That's impressive. And, and it's interesting, too, because I, I think it's, you know, we're, we're talking about Mallory Martin here in, in a fighter who, like I said, she's got really good wrestling. She didn't look great on the ground against Virna Jandiroba, but again, I think the difference in the two fighters she's faced makes it such a question mark, right? Hannah Cypher's really not good on the ground. Virna Jandiroba, one of the best in the division on the ground, with the exception of, like, Mackenzie Dern and Tatiana Suarez. So, like, how, how do we reconcile where she fits? Uh, I don't know the answer is, is necessarily there, but I'm going to differ with you and, and guess that it's good enough to control uh, Pollyanna Viana. Uh, enough to take a unanimous decision victory. I'm going to, you know, betray my jujitsu roots here and go wrestler back to back here in these fights. So, uh, yeah, Mallory Martin by unanimous decision. And that brings us to one of the most intriguing fights on the prelims, which is Philip Rowe versus Gabe Green. Rowe, 7-2, making his UFC debut. He won his contract on the Contender Series in August of 2019 against Leon Shabazian, the younger brother of Edmund Shabazian. He's had three or four cancellations since then. It's kind of been on the shelf. It's been a real tough road for him. Gabe Green, meanwhile, was on the show for two years. He got a short notice call to fight Derek Rodriguez back in May. He lost that fight by decision. So, um, I mean, I guess what I'm going to ask here is let's start by talking about Green. He had that performance against Derek Rodriguez. Do you draw more good or bad from that loss? Because obviously, short notice, but it's a decision against Dick, uh, Daniel Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean... 
it's a mixture, I think, um, you know, and it's easy to say that. But I, I guess I'd say it's more good. I'd say, you know, when, when you have a fighter that, that has that quick speed, that, you know, those quick knockouts, that type of stuff, you know, you always think, well, what happens if he goes into a third round, second round, that type of stuff, um, you know, and again, especially against a guy, you know, like Daniel Rodriguez, albeit in a losing effort, you know, he, he really showed us a lot um, and, and, and able to kind of to withstand that punishment that Daniel Rodriguez, you know, threw at him. You know, Daniel Rodriguez is, is a tough fighter. You know, that being said, Philip Rowe is, is someone that I'm super excited for. Like you said, we haven't gotten to see a ton of, of, of you know, material out of Philip Rowe, you know, from injuries, from, you know, from um, cancellations, all this stuff. I mean, he's a 6'3 welterweight. It, it, not only is he huge in the sense of, you know, his size and range and, and reach, but also it seems that he knows how to use it, which is one of the most intriguing parts of his game. Um, you know, so I think Green will find offense. I think he'll find it early, but I think the size will be a problem. And, and Philip Rowe is also insanely good in the clinch. And I think that's something he's going to really take to his advantage. Yeah, I agree with you that, that Rowe worries me in the clinch here against Gabe Green. But I will say one of the things I took away from that Daniel Rodriguez fight is that Green is incredibly durable. He, he is a really tough dude. He takes a big punch, and he can hang with those big punches. I think some of that is that he used to fight at 155 pounds. Coming up, he feels a lot more comfortable. And I would say the thing that worries me about Roe is that size you talked about, right? He likes to be in the clinch. He likes to be the big guy. He likes to kind of bully people. But if you look at a lot of his finishes, a lot of his finishes are first round. And you mentioned, you know, like, I, I don't know what happens to him if he can't get green out here. Does the, Do those big muscles and that long reach and, and that explosiveness, does it die out in the later rounds? And, and I'm a little concerned about that. So I, I actually think I'm going to go with Gabe Green here by decision because I like his leg kicks. I like his durability. Um, and I think he just hangs with them enough. How do you see Roe getting it done? I think that this is one of those fights kind of like last one where you said you don't love a ton of the underdogs on the card. And this is one of those ones where it's all, essentially a pick em. You know, I saw row up plus 125 earlier. And that's, I just have so much promise in Philip Rowe from watching his game that at plus 125, that value just seems to work for me. Again, I think he uses the clinch. I think he takes it to that third round. And, you know, again, it's a question mark what we see in that third round. But I think he uh, goes to a decision here for a win. All right, and that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We'll be right back with round number three. Hey, guys, I just wanted to tell you what subscribers are saying about AJ'sMMABetting.com. I've been following AJ for several months, and he is ultra impressive. But honestly, his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons. His breakdowns and understandings of matchups is what impressed me the most. It can be hard to separate out those emotions and your favorite fighters in this crazy fight game. But AJ seems to be able to really objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let his emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book. And that comes from subscriber George. And let me tell you something. Subscriber George said that before AJ's MMA bettings picks were all free. And now it's an even better value. So make sure to follow him on Twitter at AJ's MMA betting or at his website, AJ'sMMABetting.com. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Rodolfo Vieira versus Anthony Hernandez. Vieira 2-0 in the UFC. He's got arm triangles of both Sarabek Spafarov and Oscar Pichota. Hernandez, meanwhile, is 1-2 in his last three. He got last got beat by Kevin Holland back in May by TKO. 
I'm going to, let's just be upfront about this. Do you give Anthony Hernandez any chance to avoid the ground game? And obviously if it gets there, is it over right away? Um, uh, <laughs> I give him very little chance. You know, I hate, you know, as you know, in this sport, you, you always got to say there's a chance for something. Um, but very, very, very little chance to not be taken to the ground here. And I think it, once it hits the ground, it is over right away. You know, um, I think it'll take very minimal time. I mean, Rodolfo is a minus 400 favorite and for good reason. I mean, he's just, he's seven and oh, he has six submissions. His only non-submission is a, you know, a ground and pound essentially still taking it to the ground and, you know, just dominating with his fist at that time. Um, you know, Hernandez throughout his career, you know, we've seen very high promise from him. We've also seen him get to the point where if he just makes that one last win, you know, maybe he is a contender and then fall at that point. So, you know, I don't know. I'm not counting uh, Hernandez out completely. You know, there's always that puncher's chance. And, you know, he is a very skilled fighter. But, you know, I see this one going Rodolfo via finish um, from any submission he chooses. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you on that one. And, and you said everything I needed to say here. You know, Rodolfo, like a hundred time jujitsu champion and, you know, like his accolades can't be overstated. So, yeah, I'm going Vieta. He gets the submission any way he wants. And that brings us to our next fight, which is Ricky Simone versus Brian Kelleher. Ricky is has won two straight. He beat Ray Borg, and then he beat Gaetano Perello back in January. Of course, that was supposed to be when he fought Brian Kelleher the next time. Um, and Kelleher, meanwhile, 2-1 and one in his last three. He last beat Ray Rodriguez back in September. So, obviously, this is the second or third time this fight has been booked. It seems like in that time, I have become more and more confident in the wrestling and grappling of Ricky Simone. How do you expect Kelleher to deal with that, and can he deal with that? I think he can deal with it, but it will be tough. You know, I think for Kelleher to to dominate the way people think he may, um, it's going to have to happen on the feet. You know, I think Simone can be reckless at times, you know, on the feet. But like you said, does he go in and use his clinch work, his, you know, his grappling, stuff like that right away? Does he does he immediately make Brian Kelleher think about um, you know, that takedown or, or, or that clinch work or that wrestling right away and kind of get his mind thinking about other things. You know, um, you know, Simone obviously is, is more polished physically, but, you know, Kelleher has the ability to take advantage of, of Simone's, you know, I don't want to say inability to strike because that's not the right word, but you know, the reckless striking that, that we've seen from him, you know, over the years. Absolutely. And I think what you said is so smart, right? Like Ricky Simone should go in there and just put it on Brian Keller's mind that that grappling is a possibility. And that alone, I think, is going to open up the striking for, for Ricky. And the, the interesting thing here, too, uh, that it, it seems like we have to mention, because you mentioned Ricky Simone, a big dude, right? Like a very muscular guy, a guy you might worry about mm-hmm. his gas tank late in the fight, although he didn't certainly have to worry about it against Gaetano Perello. It's at 145 pounds. It's at 145 pounds, which means he has to cut less weight. So we're going to see the big, muscly version of Ricky and not have to worry about whether or not that's going to be a bad thing. So I actually think the fact that this comes in at featherweight gives me even more confidence in Ricky Simone here against Brian Kelleher. I I think, you know, if it was down at the regular weight class, you're right, that recklessness worries me a little bit. But I've been higher on his wrestling. I've been higher on his cardio. And the fact that this is going on at 45, I'm going to take Ricky by decision here. How about you? I, I probably agree. I think that depending on what game plan Ricky uses, and like you said, I feel like he's become more and more of a smarter fighter when it comes to game plans going into fights. Um, I think if he does 
implement his game plan in the first round and use the clinch, use wrestling, I think he does ride it out to a decision win. You know, I think my only worry is that if this goes standing and he, and he does get into that reckless abandonment with Kelleher and kind of gets tricked into making this, let's make this, you know, something Dana White wants to see type fight. Yeah, and, and we certainly saw that that was an issue with him against Uriah Faber. So we'll keep that on the radar as we head to our last fight, which is Bilal Muhammad versus Diego Lima. Muhammad, three straight victories. He beat Curtis Millender, Takashi Saito, and Lyman Good. He last fought in June of 2020. Diego Lima, also three straight victories. He beat Chad LaPreeze, Court McGee, and Luke Jumo. Those last two by split decision, and he also hasn't fought since October of 2019. So, Two guys who are maybe getting slept on because they, they have big runs. I mean, obviously, Bilal Muhammad not slept on too much. He is ranked number 13 at the welterweight division. What, what do you think about Lima on this huge layoff, though, with those wins? Should, should we be giving him more attention here? I always think we should be giving Lima more attention. You know, um, obviously, he's like you said, he's made runs. He's, he has respect in the division. You know, it, it almost seems like every time he makes one of those runs, you're like, oh, you know, it's time. Um, you know, something happens or, or we don't see him for a while and, and stuff like that. You know, I, I, Lima obviously has, you know, a reach and all of that stuff. I, I think Bilal holds the striking advantage. You know, I think that Muhammad is, is on the verge of, like you said, being a top contender. Like you said, he's number 13 right now. I think this fight can get him to that point where he's a top 10 fighter, even at like a top eight fighter. Um, so I think especially with a big win, but you know, Lima with the layoff, you never know what to expect from those fighters has, has, you know, this year made him an even better fighter. Has he taken a step back? That's where it's all, it always questions me with a guy like Lima taking some time off. Absolutely. I will say this too about it, the, the matchup, at least stylistically, and, and it's hard to say stylistically because like you said, there is a long layoff in there. My, my concern with Lima has always been, and I hate to just harp on the wrestling, because I feel like this whole episode was me talking about how people have great wrestling. <laughs> Bilal Muhammad's wrestling is crazy underrated. The dude has got, like, yep. multiple takedowns in all three of his last three wins. He took down Lyman Good twice. He took down Takashi Sato twice. He took down Curtis Millinder twice. And, and granted, Diego Lima is an okay grappler in his own right, but if you go back to his losses, which, I, I mean, granted, now are, are almost three years old, I mean, like, Yushin Okami just took him down whenever he wanted. You know, Jesse Taylor took him down at will uh, and then subbed him. So, like, I I'm concerned about that. Did Has that changed around? Who knows? But I definitely didn't find out with him fighting Luke Jumo to a split decision. So, uh, for those reasons, and like you said, I favor Bilal Muhammad on the feet. So, with, with that as sort of a backdrop and the fact that I favor Muhammad on the feet, I'm going to go Muhammad here. I think you're right. If he is able to finish Diego Lima, this is a huge step for him. So I'm going to say he goes out there and does that. I'm going to say he goes out there and finishes him with a TKO. And the other thing with, with Lima, you know, not only has been off for a little while, but his last two fights were also split decision wins. You know, he hasn't amazingly impressed me in his last couple of fights. Um, you know, so again, I think Muhammad needs this more in a sense. I think if he wants to get past that kind of, right there moment and get into that title contention spot this is a win he needs and he needs to do it in some type of fashion that is eye-opening for sure and that's going to do it for the end of our third round you guys got seven fights in just a little over 15 minutes we hope you learned something i want to thank my co-host for today joe mcdonough you can catch him of course on cage side press as well as many other different outlets and of course make sure to check out his podcast the coach's corner joe thanks so much for joining me 
Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure.